0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Thomas Welch, um, and it's just going to be me today. But uh, we had a very thrilling game last night in the Stanley Cup Finals. Dallas Stars prolonged the hockey season for a little bit longer. Uh, We'll see how far they can go. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, over the course of this episode probably branch off here and there a little rants about little things I find like I always do you guys know the deal um but I think we're gonna go dive into a little bit of football sunday as well because uh there's a lot of injuries going on and uh, a couple big a couple small names that are making big cases for m v p um and teams that kind of underestimated that people didn't really see rising to the top so I think that'll be interesting as well. But without further ado, um, the Dallas Stars did prolong the hockey season last night, winning 3-2 in double overtime. Um, I think this had to have been the most entertaining game of the the series so far, even besides the fact that it was double overtime. It just felt like everything was back and forth. Um, Tampa Bay getting out to that lead um, and then locked on player of the game, kind of called it, and Joe Pavelski uh getting getting dallas back in it forcing a double overtime um kind of seeing that grit and that that will to win and that that crawling back into the fight that that we've talked about so much with this dallas team uh that's a perfect display of it right there they never gave up never said die uh went to a game knowing that their backs were against the wall and if They didn't show up to the best of their abilities. Uh, They were going to go home, and they didn't let it happen. Um, But really, I think something to note in this game that we talked about a little bit last time on the podcast, talking about how underrated uh, Pat Maroon is and the job that he does in this league. I feel like both of these teams uh, do a really good job of that net front presence that we've been talking about and kind of like getting in the goalies' grills. Uh, setting screens while there's uh shots from the point uh and you can even see i mean Cory perry Cory Perry of all people ends the night ends the night with two goals uh and the game winner on a on a little on a little scrambled eggs in front of the net uh puck just finds its way in but I, I, he had a lot to do with that um so I feel like I don't know Pavelski got one too that was kind of the product of him being in front of the goalie. Uh Puck kind of squirts out and he's right there, puts it right back in. Uh on Sergeev's goal from the point. I feel like uh Dobin was screened on that as well. So I don't I don't think it's I wouldn't say it's like overwhelmingly noticeable, but I think it's I think it's fair when you compare both of these teams that they're both really good at doing that. I mean, you got a guy like like we mentioned Pavelski and Perry are both two – probably in the best of the league, Pavelski, especially with deflections, um, just causing havoc in front of the goalie. And then Pat Maroon, um, and guys like him on Tampa Bay side, like they are difference makers, even if they don't like have that aspect of like three zones in hockey, like Pat Maroon's not gonna, he's not a viable asset defensively. He brings in the physicality for sure. Um, but his skate speed isn't, like, it's, he's not a Conor McDavid burner out there. Like, he's not he's not the most graceful skater on the ice. But he moves well for a big man. I'll give him that. Um, he's not. He doesn't have a lethal shot. Like, all of these things. But, like, the role that he plays, Corey Perry is kind of the same way. Like, the role that they play, um, I think, is really important to their team's success. Specifically, these two teams. Um, and so, I think when you take into consideration everything, Uh, that happened in the offseason and how teams kind of tried to mimic uh, the Blues and the Bruins pathway to success, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see see some guys get paid big time that have a similar role to the guys that I've already mentioned. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats, 41 shots on goal for Tampa Bay, 33 for Dallas. Uh, I feel like we talk about it all the time with how strong uh, Tampa Bay's offensive prowesses. So that's not really out of the norm there. Uh, 33 for Dallas. It's not bad. Uh, I feel like Dallas is a little more stout defensively. They can kind of lean on their goalie and their back end when they need to. Uh, and we saw that in overtime too, which uh, honestly, that scared me a little bit. I thought it was going to be over. It was like seven shots to two in OT, I think, for Tampa Bay. So, but they came out in double overtime and, uh, they looked like a completely different team. But uh, to break it down for you, goal by goal, uh, first period, Corey Perry gets the Dallas Stars on the board, uh, start the game. with The first goal of the game, uh, kind of a broken play, a little pass that squeaked through Uh, Tampa Bay defenseman. Uh, was bouncing around. Corey Perry just comes in, going to the little gritty areas of the ice in the slot where uh, you're going to catch some slashes, probably some little cross-checks in the ribs. Uh, he comes gliding through there, picks up the change, Pots it, top cheddar, uh, gets it past Vasilevsky. Pretty even period in terms of possession. Uh, I think shots were 8-10 to 10 in favor of Tampa Bay. Uh, so they kind of edged them out a little bit there. But second period, uh, Tampa Bay comes roaring back. 13 shots on goal, doubled the Dallas Stars shots on goal. Um, and they get rewarded with a beautiful goal by Palat. Um, kind of skates in front, goes Backhand, front hand, right in front of the face of Q Dobin. Um, was kind of surprised. I didn't see him poke check there, but he let him go across the whole crease um, and pots at far side. And it's a tie ball game. Uh, and I really think, like, we talked about, like, how these, all these big names for Tampa Bay, like, had been producing, like, Braden Point, Kucherov, Hedman, all those guys uh, were, I mean, I, I made the case that they were carrying, like, Tampa Bay, like the, the full load really of their production in these playoffs. Um, But I have to bite my tongue on that one now because Palat, Sorelli, and I mean, all of these, all these guys coming up uh, with big games, Pat Maroon, even like the production that they're providing uh, from their bottom lines, especially in this series. But I still maintain that the main reason why they were here is because Braden Point and Kucherov were kind of men on fire. Um, And, we're just playing out of their mind hockey. Victor Hedman, is, like all all those guys that I've mentioned, I'm just like the production they've gotten from them. Uh, I think far exceeds any of the production from the big names on the other teams. Um, but they wouldn't be where they are in this series with a commanding lead, even if it's three to two, and Dallas looks like they could be crawling back. They wouldn't be in the position that they are right now without scoring depth um, and everybody on their team doing their part. So uh again, just want to apologize to Tampa Bay fans for that one because that's on me. I didn't expect them to come out like this, but they proved me wrong. So, um, But we're going to take a break, quick break, uh, get a word from our sponsors real fast, and then we'll come back uh, with the rest of this game and kind of an analysis going into Game 6. That I mean, you talk about Game 5 being pivotal. This is just as pivotal for uh, the Dallas Stars. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, so kind of piggybacking off of that uh, big name thing. I mean, you can even look as far as like the Dallas Stars right now and like the, the production they've gotten from Jamie Benn. Like, is probably the best in terms of the big names on their team. I mean, I don't know if you can call Heisken in a big name really yet. I guess you should, maybe. Probably should. Um, but he's definitely up there. Klingberg has done a fantastic job. Uh, Jamie Benn, but in terms of like forwards, like Jamie Benn's kind of just been – the lone man by himself, Pavelski's done well, um, but not the level of production that we've seen from the Tampa Bay guys. Uh, Tyler Sagan just got the monkey off his back, I believe last game. Um, He seemed to have a good game. This game, we'll see if he can continue that production, get the ball rolling in his court, uh, see if the puck bounces his way a little bit more in game six uh, so that we see the player that's kind of been a nightmare for for blues fans for a while now. But I mean, speaking of Pavelski, uh third period comes and Sergeyev gets Tampa Bay up on the board. They're up two to one now. Um, just three minutes into the third period, uh, with a shot from the point, I believe Q Dobin was screened on that. So there's, there's your net front presence coming in. Once again, guys get into the gritty areas of the ice, uh, doing the job that everybody that nobody wants to do really, uh, just shows how pivotal pivotal that aspect of the game is um, but yeah Joe Pavelski coming back with uh, I think about six minutes left in the game ties it on a rebound uh, I believe from a shot from Tyler Sagan who got the feed from high skin um, but yeah Puck just kind of squirts out to the side Vasilevsky can't get over in time and Pavelski puts it uh, near side right up under the bar and uh Sends it to OT, kind of the hero, uh, saving the saving the boys' season. Uh, so we go to overtime in the first period of overtime. I think at one point it was like seven to one, seven to one shots. Ended up being seven to two shots for Tampa Bay. Uh, Dallas had a couple of chances. Jamie Ben seemed like he had three solid chances in OT. Only shot on one of them. Elected to pass one time. I mean. I forget who the defenseman was on that play, but he was essentially begging him to shoot the puck, playing the pass, uh, and he gives it right to him and it's going the other way. So I don't I don't know. Jamie Benn cowered under the lights. He cracks under pressure. I don't know. Can't confirm, can't deny. Uh, but I don't know. I think you got to shoot in that position. Um, but like I said, Dallas comes out with the fight and the grit and double OT. Uh, got to be frustrating to go – like have your backs up against the wall send send the game to overtime, go to the first period and just kind of just kind of realize that you're in your <laughs> you're in your defensive zone for the majority of that period, so go to the locker room regroup come back out um and nine minutes into double overtime so almost halfway through thought we' were going three, but uh Corey Perry says I don't think so. we're not going home um. He said, step one, fucking win. Step two, beers with the boys. And that's exactly what they did. And I guarantee they went out and celebrated hard. But we do have a game tomorrow night. Josh and I will probably preview that tomorrow. Uh, We'll get to hear his take on it. But uh, aside from that, really, uh, there hasn't been a lot in terms of hockey news, really. And Blues, specifically, have been kind of quiet, especially after uh, everything that's going on with Alex Petrangelo. Really the only news I've seen about Alex Petrangelo is multiple TSN sources uh, saying he's interested in playing in Toronto, uh, his hometown and everyone going crazy about that. So I'm not really going to spend too much time on that because I've already said uh, my take on that, but I will reiterate that from the sources that I've talked to and the people in my circle with the company and everything, uh, those reports just aren't true. Um, I think he wants to play for a contending team that's ready to win right now. He doesn't like the hometown, like discount thing. He feels like, from what I understand, uh, he views St. Louis as more of his home considering like his family grew up here. He met his wife here. They spent however many years here now. Um, So even if he ends up going to Toronto, which I just genuinely don't see happening um, given their cap space and given the way he feels about it um but even if, like even if he goes even if he leaves st louis he's gonna come back here his kids will probably go to school here so um i think it's in the blue's best interest and in his best interest to figure something out i believe they will uh around october 8th um maybe doug armstrong just likes being in the media and is trying to drag this out as long as possible to get Page clicks and revenue and media time for the blues. I'm not really sure. Uh, Last reported deal was eight by eight, I believe, which is promising because that's a lot closer to the numbers that Petrangelo has been asking for. But the problem is I think like we've talked about uh, the signing bonus in the term, because Doug doesn't like doing signing bonuses. Um, I think Alex wants to do a no trade clause or a no movement clause because like we've talked about and like he's made clear in the media and talking to Jeremy Rutherford and putting out those articles. He doesn't want to leave here. He doesn't want to uproot his family and go somewhere else when there's a contending cup team here. Um, but really like, I think you talk about it. We talked about it a little bit with, uh, when we were talking about Stamkos coming back for Tampa Bay and he was only on the ice for two minutes, but you could see like the intensity and uh Like the desire, not really the desire, because everybody's going to have a lot of desire when you play in the Stanley Cup. But I think the team's eyes light up when he steps on the ice, and people take notice and listen to him. And it's a different kind of—I don't know—he's—he's part of Tampa Bay's identity, right? Because he's been there so long, he's made such an impact on their team. And I feel like Alex Petrangelo kind of provides the same thing to St. Louis. I mean, you even talk about like. I don't know, I off the top of my dome, I, I have no idea what the stats are, but like when Petrangelo's been injured and like guys try to fill in his role and we've watched the team like produce um in his absence, they don't look the same. They don't have that same like demanding intensity and fire and I I can't imagine that the Blues have a winning record when Alex Petrangelo is injured. Um, but that being said If they don't bring him back, I. It's not to say I don't have faith in this team, um, but I do think that it's going to be a huge hit um, in terms of production from the back end, in terms of like how this team views themselves and the identity that they've built surrounding this. Um, Because even then, like, I mean, a guy that's done so much for this organization, if he can get moved, other players are going to be like, well, okay, what's keeping me from getting moved? Like, this guy's done. Basically, everything in the book, even bringing a Stanley Cup to like the team as a captain. And if he's not safe, then who is, you know? Um, so that could put doubt in the players' minds and, uh, the negotiations could put doubt in the players' minds and like how they get their money and like how Doug Armstrong, I don't know. Just a very, very complicated situation, but I have faith that it's all going to get sorted out. Um, Hopefully before free agency starts and hopefully Doug will realize that Petrangelo is a very vital asset to this team and we'll bring him back for seven, eight years, hopefully at 8.5, maybe 8.25. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll, like I've said before, all, all Doug has to do is come close because Alex, like, it, if he doesn't feel disrespected by an offer, if it's close enough that he doesn't feel disrespected, he's going to take it a 100%. Um, And that's my take on that. But uh, that being said, we're going to take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to round this episode off with some football talk. So stay tuned. All right, people, let me grab your ear for just a second, okay? I know you've heard about Built Bar time and time again on this episode, but I just want to reiterate that Built Bar is the most delicious protein bar on the market. And with a variety of traditional flavors like cookies and cream and peanut butter cup to brand new tongue-dazzling beauties like apple almond crisp and the limited edition pumpkin chocolate chip cookie, they are the pioneers of taste in the protein bar industry. Each bar is loaded with 20 grams of protein, low fat, low sugar, and the best part is they only have around 150 calories in each bar. So you get all the pump and none of the junk. Check out their website right now. Grab the tastiest looking bar you see and make sure you use the promo code Locked On in the box for $10 off your order. I promise you'll finally understand why we love talking about them so much on here. Once again, that's builtbar.com and the promo code locked on for $10 off an already cost friendly protein bar that is absolutely unrivaled when it comes to taste. Tell them Tommy sent you. You won't regret it, I promise. Best tasting bar you'll ever have, builtbar.com. Promo code locked on. Do it, do it now. All right, let's talk some football, shall we? My pick at the beginning of the season for underdog Super Bowl champions was the Buffalo Bills. And honestly, I don't, I don't pretend to know a lot about a lot of things. Um, and I won't pretend to know a lot about football either because I drafted Saquon Barkley in my money league and he tore his ACL. So all things considered, though, Josh Allen's making me look like I actually know what I'm talking about. I mean, the kid is putting up ridiculous numbers, especially for how, like, if you look at fantasy drafts and how low he was ranked. Um, and compared to, like, like I don't know his average draft position, but it was, like, late rounds for sure. Um, but that Bills team is a lot of fun to watch, and that chemistry that he's developed with Stephon Diggs, who had three touchdowns on the day, by the way, I believe. Um, Josh Allen had five three, for 300 yards again. I mean, I, I mean, you can't really put together a better MVP resume than what Josh Allen is doing in Buffalo right now. And I think Russell Wilson's got to be in that conversation as well. Uh, for everything that he's put together, as well as Cam Newton. But honestly, if you look at, like I, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, but I really think like any quarterback you put in the Patriots system is going to excel because Bill Belichick will run that offense around you. Like the quarterback is essentially the nucleus of that offense, and he's not going to go out and acquire a quarterback that fits his scheme. He's not going to go out and force. His scheme specifically on a quarterback like Cam Newton, he's going to mold it and kind of sculpt it uh, to where the team can run plays that will give them the best chance to win. And I feel like he's done a very good job with that in Cam Newton. Um, In Tampa Bay, uh, Tom Brady struggled a little bit, but I believe uh, I think they got the victory out. Too. Yeah, they won 28-10 to 10 against the Broncos team. Uh, that hasn't been very impressive, really, uh, especially with Drew Locke getting hurt. That doesn't really help um, if he's not 100%. Uh, the Chiefs don't play till tomorrow, uh, so we're going to leave that one for a little bit. But they play the Ravens, so that's going to be a hell of a matchup in Pat Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Packers and Saints play tonight. Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. I have both of them in my money league on my fantasy team. Uh I'm going with Aaron Rodgers tonight. Uh especially with Michael Thomas out, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be tough for Drew Brees to get any production going, so I'll go with Green Bay there. Um but another surprise, the Bears coming back on the Falcons. Well, I guess it's not a surprise that the Falcons blow a lead again, but Ms. Trebisky goes out, Nick Foles comes in and does what he does best, which is get money. so uh that I mean we'll see what kind of development happens there I don't know I don't know if Trubisky's your starter anymore I don't know I don't know Nick Foles is a hell of a quarterback a Super Bowl champion I think the stats speak for themselves there so also the Bengals and Eagles tied so I'm glad I didn't watch that game because that had to be the most uninteresting (laughs) I just hate ties in general dude like even like MLS teams and like soccer, like I would much rather just watch games that end with one team being victorious. I would rather my team lose actually than my team tie because that little like extra hyphen at the end and a one just makes your record look so ugly that it's not even worth it. So let's just get rid of ties altogether in every sport uh, league wide. And that's all I have to say on that. Um, Other than that, guys, I think that rounds out football for today. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the chiefs, Over the Ravens, just because, you know, you got to go Chiefs, baby. Red Kingdom till I die. But um, honestly, I feel like the Chiefs defense has come a long way since last season. And Pat Mahomes and like, you can't really bet against them because they're always going to come out. And even if they're down like fourth quarter, half the quarter left, they're down by like three or four touchdowns. You can still get them just like that. So. I'll take Pat Mahomes there. He's got big game energy under the bright lights on Monday night football. I feel like he's going to come to play. So um, other than that, that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Blues You can follow us on Instagram at Blues. You can follow me on Twitter at Twelcher15. And as always, let's see what happens in this Stanley Cup. Let's go Blues.